Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. So good to see you all in church and I just want to commend you all for being out in church today because I know it is a definitely the warmest day of the year and uh, I'm going to try and get through this as quick as possible to get you guys to the beach or to the ice cream van or wherever you need to get to but I really appreciate you guys being here today. So say hello to someone on the way down and um, why don't you take your seats. I'll keep you sat down today just to, you won't be getting up again unless you want to. The doors are open, so the air conditioning's on. Let me just pray and then we'll jump into this. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is what transforms, it brings life. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to bring your word. I pray, Lord, as we deal with a very delicate subject today, that you would help us. Lord, help us to understand it more, Lord, and fill us with wisdom. As Solomon said, Above all else, Father God, we need wisdom, especially in the days we live. We thank you for your goodness towards us and uh, pray protection over our homes, our families, our loved ones, our children, Father God. We thank you that you're on our side in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as Laura said, Proverbs 24 verse 3 is our series verse over the past four weeks. And we've got a couple more weeks left in this series called Wisdom. Who's ever made a dumb choice? In the 9 a.m., no one lifted their hands. <laughs> you guys are the spiritual lot. Proverbs 24.3 says, By wisdom, a house, we could change that word to a marriage, a business, a relationship. Uh, you know, there's so many things we can exchange there. Solomon says, By wisdom, a house is built through understanding it is established. Now the good news is that wisdom is never about our age, our IQ, or our qualification. Wisdom comes from God, so wisdom is available to all. And we all have a set of belief systems. And they can be conditioned from our backgrounds, our families, our, up, our experiences of life, our upbringing. We all have a set of belief systems. But today I want to challenge one of our belief systems. And it's around the area of money. Now, money is a taboo subject, especially for us Brits, okay? And we don't like talking about money, but I pray today our hearts would be open because Jesus spoke about money and hell more than any other subjects in Scripture. In fact, over half of the parables written were about money and resources, and our financial habits and practices are rooted in the way we were brought up, our experiences, uh, the things that we've been exposed to. But I pray today that we would be open to allow the Holy Spirit to do some work in our lives in this area. And I think if we're honest, money can be a real challenge for a lot of us. Who would agree money can be a challenge in life? God's desire is that his children do not live under financial stress. Now, this is our first takeaway today. I want you to write this down because I'm going to keep referring back to it. God wants our money to have maximum impact and minimum stress. God wants our money to have maximum impact in our lives and minimum stress. 
Now, I've spent my whole life apologizing for speaking about money in church, and that needs to change. Okay, because it is a biblical truth that if we get this area right in our lives, it has the potential to unlock blessing over our lives. And I've never apologized for speaking about faith or marriage or healing. It's the same with this sermon. Today, I believe that if we put this into practice, it can really help us. Now, when Jesus spoke a lot about money, was he trying to get money? out of people. I don't think he was. I don't think he was trying to get to people's wallets. I think he was trying to get to people's hearts. Our key passage comes from Matthew chapter 6, 21, and we're going we're gonna to unpack this over the next couple of weeks. And Jesus is teaching the crowds about money. He says, do not lay up yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where the thieves nor break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's easy to read or even preach this wrong. For where your heart is, there your treasure is. But the Bible says it's where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I want to talk this morning for the next three and a half hours on the treasure test. The treasure test. I'm going to keep you short today, the treasure test. And I want to talk about how the treasure reveals our hearts. You think about if you buy a boat. If you buy a boat, your heart will move towards that boat. If you book, who thinks the best part of a holiday is booking the holiday? Who's ever booked a holiday and then for the next few weeks or months, you kind of dream, you know, you're sitting at your desk and all you can see is your toes by the pool, okay? All you can see is yourself in the hot tub or whatever your destination of choice is. But your heart doesn't go on holiday until your money does. It's not until you press send on the computer that your heart starts moving towards the destination. Whenever we give to God, our hearts move towards God. Whenever we give our treasure to God, our hearts move towards Him. So when we talk about money in church, we're giving ourselves an opportunity to move towards God. In our marriages with our children, I believe we, we don't talk enough about money. It is a taboo subject in marriage and in the church. And I believe we need to talk more about money. The top two reasons that marriages break down in the United Kingdom is number one, sex, and number two, money. We'll do sex another week. Chantel. Anyway, <laughs> top two reasons. Money. Money. The pressure, the pressure of not having enough and the pressure of losing what we do have. And I want to encourage us as, as we take away some thoughts and notes to go away and to talk about money and let's help our children. My son is eight and my daughter is 11, but we talk about money. We need to talk about helping our children understand money, talk about our mistakes. Who's ever made a mistake with money? We need to share our mistakes. Talk about how we spend money and how we don't spend money. Talk about money with a sense of faith, not fear. Often when we talk about money, it's always in fear, or we're not gonna have enough, or we, we, you know, we can't pay our bills, and our children, they, they, they'll either inherit our fear or our faith when it comes to money. Now, I'm also aware there are a whole lot better qualified people to speak on this subject than me. 
However, I believe as for Chantal and I, as your pastors, we have a responsibility to share clearly what the Bible says on this subject. It's a responsibility. And in the scriptures, there are six clear tests, treasure tests, which, which, which jump out of the scriptures when it comes to handling and taking responsibility for our money. Six clear tests. I'm going to give you these six tests, and then this week and next week we're going to unpack them first. The first one is the ownership test, then the stewardship test, then the generosity test, the why test, the contentment test, and the obedience test. Six clear tests from the treasure test. So I want to unpack the first one is this. It's the ownership test. Now this is, a, this is a difficult one to get going with. This is our first big test when it comes to settling a big issue in our hearts. And this is the question, who owns the treasure? Who owns the treasure? Who owns everything? Now I'm sure you're all familiar with the Treasure Act of 1996. Yeah, everyone's very familiar with that. Okay, if you're not, let me, let me help you, because I, I was only familiar on Friday. Any item found on, on my land or your land below the ground, which I cannot lawfully prove is mine, belongs to the crown. So basically, if I come into your garden and start digging holes and find something, that's not yours. If you can't legally prove it's yours, and we can hand it over to King Charles, and he will take good care of it. Some of you are like, oh my word, I might have some treasure in the ground at home. You don't own it. Now, most of us have probably settled in our hearts that we belong to God. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. Okay? As children, we belong to God. But many of us struggle with the second fact is this, that our stuff belongs to God. Now, probably a verse that we love to read and we don't fully um, we don't fully grasp hold of would be Psalm 24, verse 1. And it says, the earth is the Lord's. Oh, no. Your Volvo. Your new Tesla. Your new BMW. And all its fullness. It's an ownership test. Now, the Treasuries Act was actually written 3,000 years ago by King David, not in 1996. Because God is really clear, God owns all of it. Your Volvo, your Rolex, your business, your iPhone, your fridge freezer, your GHDs, ladies, all men, 2023. All of it belongs to God. I want you to say out loud, all of it belongs to God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns the hills with the cattle. He owns all of it. If you have a diamond ring, girls, that came from God's coal. Your home came from the rock and the slate that God created. Your leather jacket, which you rightfully left at home today, came from the cow on one of the hills that God owns. There is nothing in our lives which God didn't create and which God doesn't own. So if God is the owner, where does that leave me? Who thinks that's a good question? You ready? If you want to write this down, we are stewards. We are stewards of what God has given us. 
If you are a homeowner, you are responsible for all the repairs, the upkeep. But when you are a landowner or a landlord, you're responsible for all the tenant's needs. And the tenant's job is to pick up the phone and let the landlord know there's an issue. I'm actually glad that I'm a tenant of this earth and not a landlord because I have someone to speak to when I have a problem. Our first test is this. I am a steward and not an owner. Do you know it's actually quite liberating when you see yourself as a steward, not an owner? Because it frees us from the fear of loss. Because if I lose something, it's not actually mine anyway. It was God's all along. So all of it belongs to God, the ownership test. Second test, and this is the big one we're going to drill down on today, is the stewardship test. I just mentioned it. Stewardship is it's an old-fashioned word, which is the ability to wisely manage what God has entrusted to us. The ability to wisely manage what God has entrusted to us. Now, if you think about this, human life works best on two legs, okay? You've ever walked on one leg, it's a lot slower, it's a lot harder. God created us with two legs to walk through life. Our finances walk best on two legs, not on one. Now, I'm going to unpack this for a second. The two legs which our finances walk on, number one is stewardship and number, one, number two is generosity, this is the way that God has created us to live. It's, now, think about this. If, if, it's like people like me who go to the gym, work out a few times a week, but they're still unfit. Why? Because health and fitness walks on two legs called exercise and nutrition. Thank you. <laughs> exercise and nutrition. They go hand in hand. You can go to the gym all you want, but if you go to McDonald's every night, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. Walks on two legs. And a healthy financial life is like a healthy body. It walks on two legs. Leg one is stewardship, and leg two is generosity. Generosity is the goal in life, but stewardship is the vehicle to get you there. Who wants to be more generous? I want to be generous. I want to help more people, love more people, you know, help people. But the reality is, if I am not a good steward of what God has given me, I can never be generous. We all know people who are so generous, but they're really bad stewards of what God's given them. And so they can never move forward in life. We also know people who are incredibly wise, but tight as tight. <laughs> You know people who are just really good with money but don't give anything away? And then I know people who give everything away and they're really bad with money. So imagine my son, Justice, I, I gave him a thousand pounds. So Justice Murray Norman, here is a thousand pounds. And he took that away and he invested 500 pounds. He saved Sorry, he invested 500 pounds. He gave away, out of that 1,000 pounds, he gave away 100 pounds. He just wanted to bless someone and help someone. He gave 100 pounds of that way. And the other 400 pounds, he went to the Nike store and looked after himself. <laughs> I would be such a proud dad. 
Because I would think my son has actually stewarded the gift that I have given him really well. Now think about this. God's purpose for our lives is to get the resources to the people who need them most. That could be in countries where they don't have running water. That could be compassion children. That could be through the initiatives that we run through the church. That could be helping people in our church who are in poverty. But God's purpose for our lives is to get the resources to people who need them the most. I'm going to show you a slide. This is kind of how it works. So God blesses us with jobs, with salaries, with incomes, with homes, with all the things, all the resources in the world. And God created it all. He owns it. And we're stewards of it. And then the other side is all the people in need, the people in the Ukraine, people in India, the new church which we want to help people with, the social supermarket, compassion, all the people on the other side, the communities in need. And what is in the middle is you and I. We're in the middle. God channels the resources to those in need through us. But the problem is so much of the world's resource gets stuck in the middle. Here's what happens. Because we don't steward what God has given as well, we're not able to help those in greatest need. Or because we're so generous and we haven't stewarded well, we're not able to continue to help those in greatest need. God's not called us to be a reservoir. He's called us to be a river. Rivers keep flowing. Rivers keep moving. And if we are good stewards... Okay, if we are good stewards, but we are tight, it's like putting a nail for our foot. And we cannot move forward in life. We try to move forward, but we can't because the river stopped. And if we're poor stewards, but generous, we've nailed the other leg to the floor and we're stuck. And so, so many of us, we go round and round in circles with our finances simply because we're stuck. We're either generous, but we're not good stewards, or we're good stewards, and we're not generous. And so many people's finances cannot break out, move forward, and they're nailed to the same place. And I think today, and I know it's really warm in here, I think today could be a significant day for many people to get unstuck in this area of their lives. For some of us, we're stuck in just being tight, We're a good steward, but we're tight. For others, we've got generous hearts, but because we don't finance our stewards, uh, our finances well, it's hard for us to move forward. But God wants Soul Church to move forward with both legs. Both legs. So I just want to share some principles of godly stewardship, five principles of godly stewardship from the Bible to help us move forward in this area. And you know, in the first service, it really did help some people. And then we're going to put some action to this at the end. Number one is this, to move forward. I encourage you to write some of these things down, help people, help people. Number one is this, to be a godly steward, we've got to act our wage. Act our wage. Proverbs 21.20 says, A foolish man devours all he has. Bible says, A foolish person lives on more than they make. Now, I'm going to be totally honest, I've been there. Has anyone else been there? We've been there. And we resort to credit cards or loans or store cards because we live above our means. First Timothy 6.6 6 says, Godliness without contentment, with contentment, sorry, is great gain. 
Contentment is one of the most powerful financial principles, and we're going to unpack this next week. You see, if we're okay with what we have, we won't feel the need to buy things that we don't. Now, this is a huge paradigm shift. This is the number one principle of godly stewardship, and I beg you to write this down. If you can live by this, if someone had taught me this at 17 years old, this would have saved me a lot of heartache and a lot of money. It is really simple. We live on less than we make. Can I hear an amen? Amen. We live on less than we make. We act our wage. One of the enemy's biggest lies, one of the enemy's biggest lies is this. If you had more, you'd spend less. Not true. Anytime we have more of anything, we tend to be less disciplined. How do I know that? Because when I go to the Chinese buffet and there is more of everything, I am less disciplined. Has anyone ever taken a week off work and you've got a whole more time and you think, I'm just going to have a good rest this week. You get to the end of the week and you think, where has the week gone? Because anytime you have more of anything in life, you are less disciplined. And the same is with money. When you have more money, has anyone ever had, you know, in three months' time, you you know you're going to get a pay rise, you're really excited, you're going to get a couple of hundred pounds extra every month, and then six months after your pay rise, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. You're like, where did that extra 200 pounds go? It's like, did I even get a pay rise? Because you're exact, because you're stuck. That's how we live. And it's not about giving people more money. It's about understanding godly stewardship. And until we accept contentment, we can never live on less than we make. And next week is going to be a big paradigm shift on this. So I'm going to give you an assignment this week. You don't have to do it, but I encourage you to do it. I want you to act like a private investigator and spy on your money. Watch where it goes. Watch it, spy on it, creep up on it. Print out your bank statements, highlight where your money goes. Keep a record of every single penny you spend in the week. We need, okay, hang on. We need to know where our money's going. Why do we need to know where our money's going? Because it's not ours. It's not our money. Because God owns all of it. And we are stewards. You know, if someone gave you some money and said, I need you to look after this money, who knows that you would hopefully be a good steward of it for when they come back. We are stewarding what God has given us. I am imagining that when I spend money, I am spending God's money. And guess what the Bible says? Godliness with contentment, wait for it, is great gain. God will give us more when we look after what we have. So number one is this principle of godly stewardship, act our wage. Number two, this one's a tough one. I'm going to have some water. Knock, knock, kidding. (laughs) Was it in this service last week I did it? I don't know if I should say this. Should I say it? Anyway. Okay. I absolutely, I know he's not here because he was in the last service. I soaked that guy, didn't I? Normally when I do that joke, I sort of wash it over the congregation. I just sort of go like that. <laughs> so it's more, it's more of a spray rather than a... 
like that. But last week, last week I went like this. I need some more, by the way. Um, last week I went like this, and I, I just, this guy got drenched. Absolutely soaked. And he's looking, and by the way, it's his first time in church. I've never seen this guy before. Cut this from YouTube. Anyway, he gets soaked. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm not going to throw anymore. Anyway, at the end of the service, I'm thinking, Lord, I've really done it this time. Anyway, he puts his hand up for salvation. I'm thinking the Lord, wor the Lord works in really mysterious ways. And then right at the end, he puts his hand up for the red bag, first time in church. Now, just before this, most people come to church, get saved, and get baptized. He got baptized, found Jesus, and then got a red bag. So God works any way you think he can work. All right, settle down, settle down, you're in church. Number two, we've got to declare war on debt. In 2022, the average unsecured debt per household in the UK, including children, was 11,000 pounds. Unsecured debt. What is debt? Debt is a trap for us to buy things that we don't really need to impress people that we don't really like. Do I need to say that again? Because some of you on the back row aren't watching or listening. Debt is a trap. To buy things that we don't really need to impress people that we don't really like. What drives us to buy these things that we can't afford? Clothes, cars, meals, electronics. We buy into the marketing lie, and the marketing lie is this, if I buy this, I will feel and be a better person. It's a marketing lie. Marketing, adverts, everything is geared towards you will feel better, you will be a better person if you buy this product. And so many people that I meet, Chantel and I, we sit down with people, and so many times this word debt comes to the surface. And this is why we believe that we have a responsibility to teach faith, and to teach healing, and to teach all the principles of Scripture, but not to ignore this big subject in the Bible, because so many people are drowning in debt, even in our own church. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Slave. The enemy loves debt because we become a slave. Isn't it interesting that one of the major credit cards, or the major credit card in the world, is called what? MasterCard. Hello. Why is it called MasterCard? Because it becomes our master. And by the way, I could have used American Express, but it wouldn't have worked the same. <laughs> and so the enemy loves it when we become a slave. Why? Five things about slaves. Slaves have no options. Slaves have no options. They have to do what they're told to do. What else about slaves? Slaves can't be generous. If you want to help someone in the Ukraine, if you want to help someone in need in our city, you can't because you're a slave because you have to pay off the debt that you've racked up by buying things that you don't need to impress people that you don't really like. So you have no options. Slaves can't be generous. Third thing is, is slaves have to stay in one place. When you become a slave, you are chained. 
It changed you to one place. God calls you, maybe God calls you to a, new, to a new opportunity or to go on a mission field or to help someone, but you cannot move because when you are a slave, you are chained in one place. And slaves have masters. Jesus spoke about this so clearly in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He said this. He says, no one can serve two masters. This wants to be your master. This is mastering so many people. It's tying them up in one place, stops them being generous, stops them doing everything that God's called them to be because they are a slave to the card, to the loan, to the debt. What else about slaves? Slaves have to toil and work. Now, we all have to work and toil. I'm not saying that, but if you have debt, Often you maybe have to take a second job. I even know people running three jobs at the moment. And we know, and by the way, I know the financial climate is difficult, and I'll come on to that in a minute. Interest rates are going up, inflation is going up, and it's really difficult for the majority of people right now. But debt kills your creativity. Because we are, we are so emotionally tied up to clearing our debt or getting out of the, the hole that we're in that God's given us so much creativity, we can't even get to that because we're working three jobs just trying to keep food on the table. And I've met so many people that have been messed up with these little pieces of plastic. And I believe we need to declare war on debt today. In fact, I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to call it plastic surgery. You could, all, you could even call it a plasectomy. <laughs> because I believe wholeheartedly that if you have the courage today to cut up your card, your credit card, I believe that God will honor you. It is not God's will to live on the bank's money on credit when it comes to credit cards. Don't ignore debt. Don't ignore debt. Debt never goes away. And if it does go away for any reason, you still have to pay a price for many years. I believe that God honors us when we take personal responsibility for this area of our lives. Number three, the third way to, third principle of godly stewardship is to set a budget. In life, we often get in our biggest muddles and mistakes when we don't make a plan. Jesus spoke about this in Luke chapter 14, 28. Jesus said, which of you would build a house without having a plan? We all need a plan in life, whether it's a plan for our business or our finances. Imagine if you wanted to build a house, but you didn't have a plan, Nick. Bob, the builder, comes over. And you say, Bob, I want you to build me a house. And Bob says, how big do you want the house, John? Well, you just do whatever you feel. How much do you want to spend, John? Bob, I'm not really sure. Just, just do what you need to do, Bob. When do you want to move in, John? Ah, just one day, Bob. And then that one day comes and you get there and, Bob, the house is too big. Bob, how much have you spent? You've gone way over budget. Bob, the kitchen's too small. My wife's going to be upset. And then we get ourselves in a mess financially. We say, how did this happen? How have I ended up here? Simply because we didn't have a plan. Everything in life, 
you need a plan. Godly stewardship begins with good planning. Good planning. The average Brit spends over a million pounds in their lifetime. The question is, did we have a plan for how and where we spent it? Every pound needs a name. And every pound needs to be in agreement with your spouse. Taking responsibility. You know, we do so many crazy things with our money and then we say, Lord, bless me. Lord, why don't you pour open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that I may not contain it. And God's God, I did that last time. And we want God to bless us, yet we waste our money. And we spend it on the things trying to impress people we don't like. I'm sorry this is a little hard hitting today. But it's a biblical way to live our lives. Godly stewardship. We've got to act our wage, declare war on debt, set a budget. Number four is save and invest. Save and invest, so important. King Solomon said, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. The wise save. The Bible is our guide. You know, some of us are really good at earning money. You're a high earner, but you're also a high spender. And I know it's very difficult right now to save money. But I want to say something especially to everyone who's 30 years, 30 years and younger. Now, I wish I was told this when I was 17, 18. If we do not save, we will be broke our whole lives. If we do not save money, we will be broke. If we can grasp this principle, parents with our children, teaching them to save a small amount of money each week, each month, we can break free of the poverty trap around us. My grandma taught me three things. Number one is she said, save for a rainy day, John. I remember saying to her, why do I need to save for a rainy day? She says, because it's gonna rain. Right now as a country, it's raining. You know, I know for some of you, you've, you've experienced interest rates 16, 17%, but for our generation, 5%, we're all having kittens. But why is that? Is because we never thought that this would happen. And statistics show that every 10 years, a country goes through some kind of crisis. I think in my lifetime, we've been through crises, 9-11. We've been through wars, we've been through, you know, the, what's happened with COVID, and we've been through many crises, and every 10 years, a country goes through a crisis, it goes through a rainy patch. And uh, the problem is that if we haven't saved for a rainy day, when a rainy day comes, we resort back to plastic. Because the only way we can get through the rainy season is to borrow more money. And so this is where we go, okay, God, to be a godly steward, we put a little bit away each month. Give, save, live. Give, save, live. And then grandma said, she said, John, you need to understand the value of money. Understand the value of money. My first job, I worked at the bygone village in Flegborough, and I earned one pound an hour. One pound an hour and got paid cash at the end of every night. Let me tell you, I spent that very carefully. I'm going to get very, very unpopular for saying what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Contactless is dangerous. Contactless is dangerous. We are losing contact with our hard-earned money. A cashless society is a dangerous society. It is dangerous. McDonald's did a study and they found that customers spent 47% more with contactless than cash. 
because we don't even think about it. We just tap and slap and off we go. I want to encourage us, next time we want to buy something, we don't have the money to save up for it. And maybe even do this. Pull out your hard-earned cash, walk up to the register, if you can find anyone looks like a human anymore. Walk up, and if you still feel, because once you have that money in your hand, you will understand the value of what you're about to buy. And if you still feel as passionate when you have the money in your hand, buy it. I've done that, and I've pulled out the cash, and I'm standing there with a couple of hundred, I thought, wow, that's a lot of money. But I wouldn't even think about it if I just hit the button like that. What, here's what happens when we take cash, we spend less. How do I know that? Because when we go abroad, if we go to Spain as a family, we always take cash. We might pull out 500 euros, and it's crazy. When we're on holiday, we are so good with our budgets. Anyone better on holiday than when you're in real life? You take the euros with you, and you're like, I'm going to spend 50 euros a day on the meal, and I'm going to go over there. And then when we come home, we're just like... It's because when we go on holiday, we go into cash mode. Number three, Grandma said, invest your money wisely. Those who save money can invest money. Okay, number one, act our wage. Number two, declare war on debt. Number three, set a budget. Number four, save and invest. And I'm going to finish with this one. Number five, educate and understand. First and foremost, understand what the Bible has to say on this subject. It's the wisest book on the planet. Joshua 1.8 says, study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night, and obey everything written in it, and you will prosper and succeed in all you do. Everything I've taught today, pretty much, apart from my crazy little opinions, is from Scripture. If we take time to research, read, and talk to the right people, I believe that we can live without financial stress. And on a Sunday, we only have a limited time, really, to talk about this. And I don't like talking about money too much in church. However, we have partnerships with an organization called Christians Against Poverty, CAP, C-A-P. And we offer a free course. And I want to throw this lifeline out for our church that will teach you budgeting skills and revolutionary money management to help you, to help your children. And I want to encourage you, in just a few short weeks, you can get to grips with your finances. This is a free resource as a church. We want to bless you with through CAP. And we have a team out in the back in the foyer. And you'll see the big, this big sign, CAP course. I encourage you to go up and speak to one of the team. There is no shame in that. And maybe you don't feel comfortable about speaking to one of the CAP team. Why don't you send us an email? to info at soulchurch.com. One of our team will come back to you because our, we are passionate about seeing people's lives move forward in this area. We want you to walk forward on both legs and be free from poverty, free from debt, and free from all those things. God wants you to walk in freedom, not be held onto by a master. Maybe you're out of job, maybe you're out of work at the moment, you're unemployed. We also run a job club here. We run a job club to help you get back and into employment. And I found out this week, and this, this, is, this is crazy, that 50% of CAP clients have either tried or considered attempting suicide. 50%. What does that tell me? That tells me that this, literally life and death, 
It pushes people. That's why John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Debt is a life taker. That's why I'm so passionate about this, to help you break out of debt. I believe in 12 months, your life can look radically different if you make a decision today. I want to change. I want to get well. There is no shame signing up for the CAP course. Maybe it's the job club. Maybe you're out of job. You're out of work at the moment and you can't seem to get your foot back on the ladder. Our team out there want to help you. We're passionate about finding you a job and giving you the right help to support you. We just graduated five, five individuals from our job club last week and all five of them have now found a job. All five of them. Which, guess what, if we can put my favorite slide back, guess what that means now? They can start getting the resources to the people that need it most. God wants to bless you to be a blessing to others. If you need help with your finances, I encourage you to reach out. Today can be a brand new start for you in this area of your life. I'd love us just to stand to our feet. I know that's been a very different type of message today. And, but maybe it begins by acknowledging it all belongs to God. By letting go and saying, God, He gives and He takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, I don't own any of this. God, I recognize today I'm simply a steward. Simply a steward. God, help me to steward well. God, I need to act my wage. I've been living way above my means, and today was a bit of a, a wake-up call. I don't need to buy things I don't need and impress people that I don't like anymore. I just want to be a good steward, because I realize there's people in our world who need help. Father, I pray that you'd give me wisdom and Help me to have conversations with my, my partner, my spouse, my family about setting a budget that we can work towards. And declaring a war on debt. Father, I can see right now that I don't want to be a slave anymore. I don't want MasterCard to be my master. Jesus, you're my master. You'll provide everything I need. I need your help. Father, maybe it means educating and understanding money more and signing up for one of these courses. God, I need, I need you. And so Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us today? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us? Right now, I'm, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes, including the worship team. This is a private moment. It's a private subject. But you're saying I've been challenged today in one of those areas, John. I'm, I just need the Holy Spirit to come and help me. I just want to love you just to slip up your hand. You're not responding to me. You're responding to God, saying, God, I need help in this area of my life. I need your help. Thank you, Jesus. Help is ready available. God wants to bring freedom in this area of your life, but it begins by simply opening up your heart and saying, God, I need you. No one's too far gone either. No one's too far gone. The redemptive power of Jesus can restore every broken life in this area. There is no mountain he cannot move. There is no debt too big that he cannot help. 
but it begins by acknowledging, God, I need you. So Father, you see every hand, many hands went up today. It's an area that many of us struggle with. We come to you, Heavenly Father. We admit the areas that maybe we've got it wrong in the past. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this week. Maybe some of us do need to cut up our car, our credit card, and get rid of the this initial test, Lord, just getting rid of racking up any more debt and knowing that you are our source, that you are our provider. MasterCard is not my source, you are my source, God. Lord, for others, it will be a courage to sit down and maybe create a budget that they work towards every month. For some, it may be signing up to the CAP course or the job club and saying, God, I need help. I just need practical help. Lord, I pray right now that you'd release people into financial freedom in our church. You'd release people out of debt. You'd release people out of poverty. I thank you that you have blessed us to be a blessing. We thank you, Lord. You own everything, Father, and we are simply stewards. And we remind ourselves again that this belongs to God. We thank you, Lord. Amen. I want to pray for one more group of people. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You come here today for the first time, and I know it's a bit of an awkward subject for your first visit. I'm sorry about that. But you're here anyway. And you can sense that Jesus, the presence of Jesus is here through the Holy Spirit. God wants to come and help you today. Not just with your finances, but in every area of your life, your health, your marriage, your family, your work. Maybe you've got so many things to consider. Maybe you've got disappointments, fears, struggles in your life. And I haven't got your answers, but Jesus is the answer. He is the only hope that we have right now. We can hold on to him even in these times that we live. And so I want to give you a lifeline today. Say, would you open up your heart to Jesus? Let him come in. You say, well, John, I'm not good enough for anyone to love me that much. Hey, you're in great company. None of us are good enough. That's why God sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, to forgive us of our sins, to give us a brand new start, to give us a future and a hope. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, if you're watching online as well, you can respond here. I want you just to slip up your hand long enough and high enough so I can see it. You say, I want to receive Jesus today, John. Slip up your hand. One, he loves you, my friend. Two, right now, even this warm atmosphere, just slip up your hand. Three, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Beautiful. Anyone else? So that's me today. God bless you. Right at the back. All right, you can put your hands down and we're going to say this prayer. God bless you. See that hand as well. We'll wait for people. We're not in a rush. I know there's one thing we'll never rush is this moment. God bless you as well. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Why don't we say this prayer together out loud? It's on the screen behind me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. To forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my heart and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's congratulate everyone who said that prayer. If you lifted up your hand, one of our team would have seen that at some point. But 
If we did miss it, our team will be out in the foyers just holding up a Bible. I want to give you a Bible. It's Mark's Gospel. And our team would love just to just quickly catch up with you and give you some information about what it is to make that decision. And we also have a, uh, a light bulb for you. Screw into our light bulb wall. You might have seen it in the foyer. It says, Jesus is life. And every time someone makes a decision to follow Jesus, we screw in a light bulb. It's just symbolic of what's just taken place in this moment. So we, we say a big thank you for that. And uh, make sure you tell someone that you made that decision today to follow Jesus. Amen. Well, who's been challenged today? Can I also encourage you that you know, I put a bit of time into that this week. And I know there's many people who probably need to hear that message who weren't here today, or maybe family members. And it's going to be on YouTube. Pass that resource on. Maybe you know someone who's struggling in debt or struggling with, you know, with finances. Pass that resource on. Let them see that. Let's help people. My, our heart is we want to see people walk in financial freedom. I believe there's enough resource in this earth for every single one to have enough, more than enough. And so to do that, we have to be... We have to be free from so many things so we can distribute and help others. And so next week, I'm going to do the treasure test part two, which I believe will help help you. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.